You are listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to American Snippets. This is episode number 182. It is Monday, and today is Martin Luther King Day. So before we kick today's episode off, I thought I'd just share with you one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. And that quote couldn't be any more relevant uh, than it is today. It's been a wild uh, 2020. Uh, now we're into 2021. A lot of people still have very passionate beliefs on, on politics and the future direction of our country. But too, too many of you um, remain silent uh, for fear of ridicule or backlash because of your beliefs. Uh, but you know, these are conversations that must be heard. They need to be had right now. We need to be able to listen to each other and both sides to move the ball forward. This is not the time to be silencing people or to be silent. Uh, maybe you're worried about losing followers, business and friends, etc. But I would argue what's happening right now in our country is more important than ever. Freedom really is all that matters. And it must continue to be the foundational moral compass that guides this nation. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is what our country was founded on, and it's those ideals that must be defended. So it's time to take a stand. It's time to let your voice be heard. You can either lead or be led. A mindset of silence, scarcity, and fear serves no one. So let's stand up for America's core values or risk being canceled by those who seek to destroy everything that makes America great. And like Martin Luther King Let's cast a stone across the water and create a ripple, multiple ripples. So that leads us to today's episode and um, a little update. What we're doing now here at American Snippets is we're going to be sharing with you three podcast episodes a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And on Mondays, Barb and I are going to be sharing lessons, insight, and inspiration from uh, uh, in the form of short little snippets and episodes from some of our top guests over the last three years since we've been doing this podcast. On Wednesdays, we'll be doing our guest interview um, shows. And then on Fridays, it'll be Barb and I offering some commentary and discussing um, current events and things like that. Uh, so today, our short little snippet focuses on Major James Capers. Major Capers became the first African-American to receive a battlefield commission. Uh, Major Capers experienced extreme racism growing up in the Jim Crow South and even while training and working his way up to becoming a decorated officer in the United States Marine Corps. In spite of those experiences, he remained committed to his country and committed to his Marine Corps. He became a respected and legendary leader. His men followed into some of Vietnam's worst battles. In this episode, we pulled some of our favorite snippets of Major Capers' full-length interview, which you can also find in episode number 157. Please enjoy. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. So you met... You met Dottie when you were 15 and you convinced her. I don't think it didn't sound like it took much convincing to get her to go to California with you when, when no, not at all. <laughs> when you were finally ready. Well, she's the love of my life and and much of the success that I enjoy it belongs to her. 
Uh, we had a child who was born without sight. He was the love of my life. He died in my arms of appendicitis because he was misdiagnosed. And he and my wife are buried up in Arlington National Cemetery together, which is where I will lie for a, an eternity with him. And I will see them in heaven. They are waiting for me. That is the, the love story. I loved her the first time I saw her. And when she closed her eyes, the day we lost her, she told me she loved me. And that was probably losing her and my son so close together. And I'm sure you could understand that being a will and, uh, and especially being a gold star widow. I'm a gold star father. My son, who was a military dependent, died in my arms, and I've never been the same again. Uh, you're lucky you found love again. And that is, I wish you both well. Um, you, you certainly earned it. Can you talk about some of the trainings that, that you went through in those days? Well, I spent 22 years, most of my adult life in the military and because of the special operations unit I was in, required uh, quite a bit of an extensive physical training and, and psychological, psychological training. I was telling couple of my young extended family members the other day that when I first got into this line of work, way back in the late 50s, uh, they took me and put me in a casket and closed the lid and asked me my company commander's name. And you're supposed to give only your only your name, rank, and serial number. But claustrophobia sort of uh, they put me in the casket, asked me my company manager's name, and I refused to give it to him. So they said, "Well, we're going to keep you in here till you give up the information." And claustrophobia closed in, and they said that they're going to leave me in there until I confess. And I thought for a moment, how do I do this? This is a real challenge. Do I go and say I'm a United States Marine, you have my rank and serial number, or do I say that uh, I'm going to give you what you need because if I don't, I'm going to die in here. At that point, I had to make a decision. And my decision was that I won't dishonor my country or my corps or the men that I served with. So I chose to die in that casket. But when I made that decision, 
And I decided, no, I don't want to die in here. So maybe it's easier to give them the information that they needed. I knew my company commander's name. I knew that. And I could have given that to them and maybe perchance I wouldn't have to be in this very uncomfortable and unusually small place. And the air in this casket was rapidly thinning out. And the instructors who were there said, well, he's not gonna give it up, let him die. And he walked to the door and they said they were walking out and I heard the door close. So at that point, it seemed to me like this is my fate. I could have yelled out, come get me, but I didn't. It was a challenge and I had to you swear this oath, God and country and all those various things you talk about, but this is the crucible. When you give your word, you have to own up to it. I didn't give up my company commander's name, but inside I wanted to, I wanted to. And I always felt guilty because I come pretty close, but I didn't give it up. And that was the standard that I kept in, in, in battles around the world, battlefields that I saw men die in very uncomfortable and very difficult circumstances. But I learned that was my first time in special operations. But I learned from that, you learn how much you can do when you put your mind into it. And you talk about that again through your book, that in Lebanon, things happen that changed the way you look at life when you were evac out of that last mission. By the way, you talk about how you had two broken, well, you had broken thighs, I think, on that last mission and injuries everywhere. And all of you were very badly injured. And it wasn't like you got injured and laid there and somebody came and picked you up and swished you away to a hospital. I mean, you still had to get yourselves out of that situation, bleeding and in pain and exhausted and all of those things. Where does that strength come from? Is that adrenaline? Is that faith? Is that just not even thinking about it? Like, how did you all on that last final mission, um, after all of those missions that you'd gone on and all of those times, all those situations you were, you personally were in and came through, um, it was that last mission that that almost got you, you know, but but how did you how did you all get out of that last one and just not give up? Same way, same thoughts? Well, because God was always with us. There's many times on many missions I can't explain how we survive except for God. That's my rationale, because for a while in a place called Quezon, which was one of our last year battles, and we talked a little bit about that on the doc in the documentary. I think all of us uh, we were getting rocketed pretty much every day, and you know the bad guys would come screaming through the wire and blowing themselves up, and some of a nasty situation. Lost a lot of men up there. Uh, 
We didn't lose our faith, but it was challenging times. Challenging times. And I think most of us prayed a lot in places like that. Uh, intentional prayer. But we didn't, God didn't strike us with a bolt of lightning. We ate. Where's God? Uh, we need you tonight. But God does things when he wants them done, not when we want them done. And those nights up there with the, the rockets falling, I think there were times when we needed God. We needed a symbol. We needed something. Hit me with a bolt of lightning, but just show me that you're there. Yeah, I believe in you. I want to believe in you. But I need something. And many young Marines and sailors on their knees praying, give me a signal. But it, we had to go back to the battle. But then there were other times when we were coming home from the last mission, we had more men that could, could get on the helicopter. And it took us three tries to get off the ground. But when we went in the air, flying home to the hospital, when the helicopter started to go down, we said, the Washington was going down, it was overloaded, and there were holes in the helicopter. And um, that's when it seemed like the hand of God reached up and set the helicopter right so it would fly home to the hospital. When we were praying in Quezon and asked God to show us a sign, that was a sign there. God says, I heard you. I was not asleep. I heard you when you prayed. And now I'm taking you home. I heard you. And we all survived, except for the war dog. And we brought his body home. So God will do things when he wants them done. But he always hears you. And he heard us. And he showed that I don't need a pilot. I don't need gas. I can fly this helicopter. And I will fly it. And all of us survived. Those are the symbols that we asked for at Quezon. And it showed on the way home, when the helicopter did not crash, only because God decreed it, no, I'm gonna take you home. I am God, Help. and I heard you. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, Mondays we'll be doing our short little snippets. Wednesdays we'll be having our interview, uh, our guest interviews, and Fridays will be commentary and current events. So make sure you tune in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you haven't left us a review yet, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on podchaser.com. iTunes reviews are really important. They help us get up higher in the podcast rankings, help us grow our audience, help get these stories that we feature here on American Snippets out there in front of more people. Please share our podcast with a friend end. Tell someone what, uh, what we're doing here. Share one of your favorite episodes on Facebook. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at American Snippets. We're on Twitter as well, uh, at American Snippet. Um, if you want to see the show notes of this episode or any of the episodes that we've done in the past, a uh, great place to start is americansnippets.com. 
forward slash newsletter. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are.